the Pediatric Lounge, a podcast taking you behind the door of the Physician's Lounge to get a deeper insight into just what docs are talking about today. From the clinically profound to the wonderfully routine and everything in between. All right, so welcome back. And this is Dr. Bravo, your co-host from the Pediatric Lounge. And joining me will be Dr. George Rogo from Long Island, New York, our co-host. We continue to, with episode three of Atomic Health, a brand UX design firm in Miami with a huge knowledge base of how physicians sell and market and how patients interface with digital technology. In this episode, we talk about the importance of being intentional about your branding, your brand promise, and your digital footprint, especially in pediatrics, where the parents who are our customer bring our patients and are between the ages of 25 and 35 and are digitally native. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So Juan, from both your MBA and your experience as a chief executive officer, Hmm. how can we use this data to set goals for everyone throughout the organization? What would be the best practices in that? Yeah, as president of CareCloud and even, you know, in other roles that I had, let's again start from the top and then go down around like how, how the data matters. A brand is nothing more than a promise, right? And Atomic Health stands for, you know, building beautiful, beautiful UI in, in healthcare or delivering exceptional brands to the healthcare community, whether digital health or healthcare IT companies, that's our brand promise. So does everybody, for example, if I think about our team, does everybody know what your North star is? Like, what is it that you want to do? So in the care cloud days, what is it that we want to accomplish? What was our place in the market? Right? So what, what was truly our North star? And then it's not, it doesn't matter if a couple of executives know what the North Star is, or the head of strategy knows what it is, but nobody else knows what it is. So how do you ensure that everybody knows what it is? And then does the team, does each individual person understand how they personally can contribute to that North Star? Are they equipped to be able to do it? Will they be successful? Are they set up for success personally in their job? And then does the team around them in their functional area, are they equipped to work cohesively as a unit to achieve that North Star? And then what are the goals? How do we measure that success? What are the KPIs that will measure what we mean by North Star? Like if we want to be known as, do we want to have great NPS score, net promoter scores, client satisfaction rates? Is revenue a goal for us? Is churn, you know, how many clients Are we losing on a quarter by quarter basis or on a year over year basis? Does everybody understand what those measurable goals are, what those goals and KPIs are, and how often is it being reported? And is it transparent to the organization whether you're meeting those goals or not meeting those goals, right? I think if you focus on that, I think the revenue follows, right? I think companies that focus on revenue first, I think miss that, right? Or companies that focus on exit first miss those fundamentals around how do you set the right tone? How do you set the right culture? 
Does everybody know what the North Star is? Does everybody know how to achieve it? Does everybody know what it means to achieve it? And can they get there? That statement that I always use, Herb, right. good medicine, then the money will follow. If you follow the money like hospitals do, you'll never do medicine. Amen. That's right. That's, That's right. exactly right. Simple, simple. And are you living up to your brand promise, yeah. right? At the end of the day. So culture and mission and vision and your values are the foundation. And then, then you have to set a framework, right? You yeah. have to set a framework of how people operate within that culture. I remember back in my sales days, I was leading a sales team. We would have people all the time just say, just have them cold call more, just cold call more, right? Well, maybe that person doesn't know how to cold call. Maybe they've never cold called before. They don't know what to say on the phone. They don't know what the, the script should be. They don't know how to deal with, you know, a, no, the doctor's not available at the moment, right? Just saying, go do X doesn't mean that they can go do X. Teaching them how to do X allows them to go do that, right? So as a chief executive, I think you have to have great leaders that are under you, right? That are ensuring that their teams are equipped for success and driving towards that North Star always. It was very interesting, Herb. All that stuff that you mentioned, Juan, I learned that stuff at the MBA program, not in the medical school program. Right. It's amazing. Right. They should right. teach that in medical school. Yeah. But oh. I have the executive MBAs for physicians now. Yeah. But yeah. not a lot of them, you know, take it, unfortunately. But I, I, I think the MBA programs for physicians was eye-opening to me. Absolutely. But I think a lot of these concepts should be taught in medical school because by default, physicians end up, end up being leaders of teams. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and to lead a team, you, you must understand how to, how to set goals, how to empower your team to meet those goals, and how to have the right process in place, how to measure, and unfortunately, sometimes, how to ask some people to get out of the team because they don't fit in that team. Sure. So, but we're not taught in that in school. <laughs> and yet we're all often asked to lead the team. I changed the name for venture capital and PE and private equity because it, it kind of bothered me in the medical space. I mean, we get very worried about this, what I call now short-term capital, where people are just, you know, and for those that don't understand how VC and PE work, they basically gamble. They make investments in 20 companies and they hope that one of those companies is a Google or a Lyft or an Uber and the other 19 can die. You know, it, that's just, it's the name of the game. And they put timelines, five to 10 years and they're out. Well, the problem is that as a physician practice, especially in pediatrics, our timeline is not five years. And we don't, we don't do growth. We, we don't, you know, Apple sells more phones and they get rewarded for that. I don't need to see patients more often for non-illness and get rewarded for that. And so the growth is not there. And when they dump a pediatric practice, those kids that went to that pediatric practice no longer care. Yeah. From, from the investment point of view, I understand it. They're not meeting the metrics we need in growth and revenue and margins. We're going to reallocate the capital to something else that might. But I think it's a model that, that is probably not very well suited for medical purposes. Do you think I'm wrong? Hmm. I think it depends on the specialty or okay. 
I think not all venture and not all private equity firms are created equal. I think there are some that have very specific time horizons, as you mentioned, and some that their time horizons are perhaps a little longer, or they're trying to do something a little different, or they have a different mission in the way that they're approaching the problem in the space. I totally understand your position, but I think a blanket statement around it's probably not good for medicine. I'm not sure, but I do think that potentially in other specialties and certain specialties, it may not be the right play. I will definitely take your lead on it probably does not make sense in pediatrics, but in some other specialties, it may make sense, you know, but at the end of the day, fundamentally, the physicians, the patients, like the stakeholders, it's got to be win-win for everyone, right? And not just the PE firms or or the venture firms, right? It's right. It's got to be a win-win for all of those parties involved. And at the end of the day, does it, does it drive the outcomes, the experiences and make it better for the end user, right? Ultimately, the patient and then the physician. Like the venture capitalists, their end goal is to make money. They give you That's money right. to make money. You don't make money, you're done. Now, That's right. Once you give a physician money for whatever their private practice is worth, they check out psychologically from private practice. If somebody gave me a lot of money for the practice, I'm not going to work so hard. I'm not going to rack my brains. I'm going to take the money and go to you know, Miami. <laughs> Why right. would I? Well, but look at your own case. You do three jobs at the office. You see right. patients five days a week, mm-hmm. and you run this huge ship like a chief executive officer. Right. No employee would do that. They would say, no, I mean, that's 70 hours of work a week. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm either CEO or I'm you know, seeing patient. But I can't help have both hats. And so that's different. But if, if Warren Buffett came up to me tomorrow and said, help me buy George's practice, I would go with that kind of capital because Warren Buffett's philosophy is he buys great companies with great brands, with great management, and he's going to be a long-term partner. His time horizon is not next quarter, next year. You know, he's thinking about 10, 15 years down the, down the road. And in sometimes, not always, because, you know, he owns Coca-Cola and he owns some other stocks that, that are not purely doing good. But in his mind, as long as the company is well run, is doing good, it has a good product, he's going to be a part, not an investor in the company. And he's there for the long. And if we're right. talking about that capital and that infusion into a practice in pediatrics where we're investing in the health of these kids 20 and 30 years down the road, I'm all in. But when the time horizon is five to 10 years, that doesn't work when you're looking at 20 to 30 years for return on investment and what we're doing with kids today. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my, that's just my thought on that. Yeah. Agreed. Now, I want to ask both of you, what, else, what excites you guys outside of Atomic Health? So, for example, I see that Mike is very involved with the tech community in Miami, which is growing rapidly. What do you do there? So... Through the last few years, you know, being involved in like Refresh Miami, quite frankly, so Miami in general has had kind of a, you know, surge of new startups and just, you know, across the industries, different industries. 
been really, really exciting to see. That wasn't the case, you know, when we were kind of on the on the other side. We were kind of one of the earlier, you know, first like larger venture backed companies. But it's really changed, and it's pretty incredible. Just like the networking day in day out, and just like the kind of the quality of the founders and the quality of the talent that you can now kind of find in the city. But if I'm being completely honest, I am very busy raising three little kids, and that takes up ninety percent of my time outside of my day job here. So yeah, my my outside priorities have definitely shifted over the years, and you know, starting something and growing it is a labor of love. And then outside of that, yeah, busy with uh, with the little ones for sure. But it's the same, right? You're starting something from very tiny, watching it grow and hopefully succeed as their own, their own, their own venture, right? Right. Goal That's adulthood. Right. And Juan, you're involved with charter schools, right? You're in, on the board mm -hmm. of a charter school. Yep. Why? What do you do there? Because I, I'm pretty passionate about education. I, I happen to be married to a, an educator as well. So, you know, since our very first date, the conversations have been all around how do you change education in the country? And I think, you know, for me, having the opportunity to be on the board of a charter school system was a way that I could potentially in my own very small way, try to influence or impact how some of these schools potentially are being run. But I think that, you know, healthcare is obviously near and dear to our heart. And I think for me personally, ed tech is probably the other thing that is very interesting to me, right? And how, you know, can we can we take some of the learnings in healthcare, right? And some of those challenges and how do we apply some of those learnings into, into ed tech and ensure that, you know, this next generation of, of students are not only incredibly educated, but also have the best tools available to like personalize that type of the, the education that that individual student needs in order to make, you know, him or her as successful as they possibly can. Right. And I think software can play a very key role in their ability to do that. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that's very nice. What have I, what haven't I asked you guys that you think is important for a pediatrician in America? Hmm. I mean, and I'm sure you see it, but I, and this is, you know, pretty obvious, but I think just the, everything is becoming so much more digital forward. And obviously we're never going to replace, you know, the physical aspect of, of patient care, but it's kind of like, Beyond the practice walls, you know, all the different ways that we're using apps in our daily lives, we're expecting to have, you know, more, you know, constant communication. I don't think that's going to change. I think it continue. We see it in the startups that are kind of chasing, you know, all those different, you know, either super early on the triage side or downstream on the patient engagement and kind of digital therapy side. So I think that to, like a lot of what we talk about is like how, what is the patient journey going to continue to look like? Again, that relationship with the physician, I think, is really the center of it all. But it's at the periphery, all these other elements that are starting to come online. You know, we used to talk about my, I grew up, you know, my father was a physician. He, he's retired now. But so I grew up in a medical practice. And, you know, you used to be able to get an ad in the yellow pages or have a listing in the yellow pages and you would get patients that way. Now, you know, if you're a patient and you're driving on the highway, let alone looking at your phone, there's this telehealth app here and there's this new startup here that's trying to, you know, create your relationship now to give you kind of remote, you know, remote care for your infants or whatever it is. So I think for physicians, there's just a lot more, for lack of a better term, competition potentially. And so I think it's understanding like, you know, how do patients want to stay engaged? How do they want to be connected? Obviously your time 
is beyond limited. So that doesn't make that equation easier. But I do think that there is an expectation continuing on the consumer side where they want to engage, they want to you know understand around your practice digitally. So whether it's online reviews, social media, whatever it is, right? Just like that online presence, I think it continues to be a, a part of the equation. And it's, it's pretty wild to see how much it's changed just in the last you know, 20 years. That is, again, I'm very pediatric centered. That is even more pressure on the pediatrician mm-hmm. because remember, people have kids are 25 year old, mm-hmm. you know, the 25 to 35 year old. So they're digitally native already. Mm-hmm. And they expect to be able to get an appointment through tests. Uh, my, you know, my father's 84, soon to be 85. He, he'd rather call and have the conversation with the front desk attendant, right? And I'd rather just be able to get it through an email. But, but every, you know, the pediatrician faces that pressure sooner <laughs> because the, the person that brings your patient in is younger. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's always young. They're always 25 to 35 and, you know, we age, but they don't. The parents are younger people because that's when you have kids. Yeah. And Herb, I think, you know, if I'm a pediatrician listening to this, I'm like, okay, how do I do that? Right. What's the plan? Right. So, I mean, I think one of the ways to think about this is we've got to take the time out of our busy schedules, right? Mike and I do this to strategize and to plan on the business and like, understand, okay, where is it that we want to go, right? What is it that we want to accomplish? How are we forecasting this? Where are our growth levers? Which ones are we going to pull? How do we market that? So one of the ways to potentially think about this from a pediatrician's perspective is what's my digital strategy? Let me map out all of my digital touch points that exist today or that should exist that don't exist. How does a patient get a hold of me via phone? How do they get a hold of me, like you know, via email, via text message? How do I interact with them digitally? What's my website footprint? What's my social media footprint? What's what's my digital strategy, right? And then put a plan in action. And it's not something that needs to, you know, you don't have to boil the ocean. And you can start small, and you can go step by step and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to tackle this quarter. I'm going to tackle, you know, my text messaging strategy. Right. And what is that going to look like in the following quarter? I'm going to tackle my, you know, fill in the blank, my, you know, social media strategy, et cetera. But it's like purposeful, thoughtful, intentional, you know, planning and strategy building that I think, you know, can definitely help practices today, especially pediatricians whose patients or particularly the parents of those patients are expecting this digital first, as you mentioned, experience. Absolutely. And how do you hold them accountable? You, you guys hold each other accountable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Try to, yeah. <laughs> I, I think for many pediatricians, the only way to find that accountability is by joining a coaching group. Because then you got people outside your smaller office saying, hey, we know that newborns are the drivers of revenue and growth for a practice. We know that Google, you know, Google My Business is incredibly important at the local level, not at the national level mm-hmm. for branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that we can put a campaign on targeted to newborns and women that are pregnant at a hyper-local level, targeting the, mo- the best-rated ob so that when that mother's in the ob office or mom-to-be is in the ob office that's most popular on Google, I'm geofencing the ad 
through the hours that they are open so that it clicks on their cell phone while they're in their waiting room. And now they know about my pediatric practice mm-hmm. and Google can tell me what the return on an investment is that. And I can measure how many newborns you're getting from that practice on KPIs. So I can actually show the practice that this strategy does help. But then right. there has to be an accountability. And when you get five, 10, 20 people in a room that they're all smart and they go, yeah, we did this. This is our result. Then other people get excited and then we learn from each other. Yeah, but um, in the medical world, pediatric world, there's consultants, there's all these strategist people. I don't think there is a coaching. Where would somebody find a coaching? Well, we run a coaching, but, <laughs> but, no. but, uh, <laughs> but, and we tried, I've been trying to set up some mastermind groups too, because I think it's badly needed, like a mastermind and med tech with people that are doing different things. Cause it's, it's these conversations are very important and they're very in depth. You need people that come at the problem from different perspectives so that we can come up with really good solutions. And that, that doesn't happen if you don't have people like Juan and Mike and you and Manish and, and Carrie and, and Susan, all these people have different perspectives that when you put it all together in one room, really can come up some great solution for their own business. But anyway, it's not hard, right? It's not hard. I mean, what, what, what the doctors do is much harder. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and yeah. just like, you know, when you strategize on how the heck you were going to pass the MCAT, you figured it out. And then yes. you were going to go through medical school. You figured that out. And then your residency, all of that's like much harder. The work you all do is much, much harder. It just takes planning, right? And, and intention, intentionality behind yes. it. Yes. Well, I got to ask you, what, what company or project are we going to build today? It's always <laughs> in my dream to be part of your team. We got, we, we got some things cooking. So, okay, so we're, uh, we're, we're focused here, you know, at, at Atomic Health. And I think we're having a blast where our clients are, you know, we're super blessed to have just some incredible or incredible roster of clients that we're working on. But, you know, Herb, we've got your number and George, All right. we'll, get, we'll get yours, <laughs> you know, maybe one day that'll be in the cards. I really hope so. Well, I want to thank you both for your generosity with your time today. It's always a joy to chat with you. Likewise. At the end of March or 23rd, I think, we'll be down with Nicholas Children CME. So I'm hoping oh, the, cool. the four of us can sit. It's a great organization. I love it. And they do a great CME. And it's going to be in Coral Gables this year. But I'm hoping we can sit down for dinner and break bread and change our world together. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Pediatric Lounge. On the show notes, you will find links to our co-host and other important notes as well as a timetable of the topics discussed today. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a great review as it helps us greatly. In the meantime, we will see you next week. The Pediatric Lounge. The conversations are not intended as medical advice and the opinions expressed are solely those of the host and the guests.